You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To learn more about the Collective Church in Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington, visit us online at thecollectivechurch.com. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to totally have your way today. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us, for for guiding us, and we ask that you will open hearts and minds to fully receive all that you have for us today. And Lord, we will give you all the praise, all the praise and all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. What I'm about to read to you, you've heard in Jenny's book, her previous book, One Degree, Two previous. We were just out of eight hours out of Anacortes, Washington, on eight stars, a 42-foot Nordic tug, pleasure cruiser, on her maiden voyage. It was a beautiful, balmy summer day. I was at the helm, and the owner, an elderly gentleman, was back taking a nap. We were just eight hours into our journey, motoring through the placid waters at 10 knots. That's not fast, folks. Moving up the inside passage toward our destination in Juneau, Alaska, still 1,100 miles away. Before Kent went down to his nap, he gave me some quick instructions regarding the chart, the compass, and the heading to follow. Though I was new to marine navigation, I felt confident with my new assignment to keep us on course. I mean, it was a bluebird day. Scenery was gorgeous, beautiful sunshine. I was just enjoying it. I had the the side door open and the sun was coming in upon my face. It was surreal. Three hours passed. Kent, that elderly gentleman who owns the boat, came up behind me and calmly said, Pastor, we're being followed by a large Navy ship with its lights on. And I said, good joke, Kent. He said, no, Pastor, I'm serious. Just then I looked back and saw a large Navy ship with its lights on, and now it's siren blaring. Kent quickly took took the wheel and grabbed the radio, and the naval officer said, you are in a torpedo testing zone. (laughs) Exit immediately. So we complied <laughs> and, and we got out of WG Active Area Torpedo Testing Zone near Nangus, Nangus Bay, British Columbia. So much for my first time at the wheel. <laughs> Understand, I had the best of intentions um, staying on course. As a matter of fact, I thought I was on course. But our wake-up call was in the form of a large Navy ship. I could have made some really interesting headlines. Alaska-bound Nordic tug cruiser torpedoed by Navy submarine. (laughs) Right? You know, here's the deal. Even one degree off over a long period of time will take you into possibly dangerous waters. And the inside passageway is full of dangerous waters where there are, are reefs. You need to know where those reefs are so that you don't find yourself on top of one. 
The, uh, the chapter that we're looking at is going to be about mixture. And talk about coming in the middle of a movie. You're coming in the middle of a book right here. But I'll do my best to bring you up to speed. Chapter 5, the mess with mixture. Most believers don't comprehend the essential nature of covenants or the serious danger of covenant mixture. Now, when I talk about covenant, I'm talking about there are three main covenants. There's the Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham. There is the law or the Sinai covenant, which happened after they were delivered from over 400 years of bondage to Egypt. And then the new covenant, the one that we're under, which, hallelujah, is so much better than the law. Did you know that? So, but most people don't understand it. Most believers don't really understand covenants because we were not taught the importance of covenants. In fact, when Paul was talking to Timothy, he talked about being a good work, workman, knowing how to properly, properly handle the word of truth. And actually, that scripture doesn't really show you, you know, it really, it really means in the Greek, it means cutting straight. And to us Westerners, it doesn't mean much, but covenant was all about cutting for men, it was about cutting <laughs> circumcision. And so I was a huge clue that we didn't get. And so many people just think it's, it's fine. You know, we just have all the, this whole Bible and we just pull this out and we pull this out and don't realize that we can actually be harming our spiritual life by not understanding which covenant we're really in and what it includes and what it does not include. So in chapter 4, obviously you didn't know it, but Isaiah 59.2 was used to substantiate the sin separation teaching. What, you say, what's that? It's a teaching that when we sin, it separates us from God. And only a proper confession of our sin will bring us back into alignment and back into good stead with God. That's a huge problem because it's not true for New Covenant. Isaiah 59, 2 states, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you. Yeah. So we were taught this in Bible college. So Isaiah was saying we're separated by our sins. But then Paul, writing from the New Covenant, says, No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Yeah. That is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul said, and he specified that nothing can separate us from God since these verses seem to contradict one another. It begs the question, which one is correct? Well, Isaiah was correct, living under the Old Covenant, addressing Old Covenant people. That's the way it was. Paul was also correct, living under the New Covenant, speaking to New Covenant people. Yeah, that's good. I tell you, what about the condition? I mean, what about the condition of our hearts? Jeremiah says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Can I just tell you, I went to a minister's gathering in our city 
took the youth, our youth pastor with me. This was a couple years ago. And this uh, new pastor was given the, the opportunity to share the devotion out of the book of Ezekiel, which talks about you are full of idolatry. And that was really what he brought to the meeting. That was the message. You are full of idolatry and God is angry with you. And he shared that. And he said, you guys, you realize we're just so full of idolatry. And they went around the circle and went, yeah, we are really bad. We're such sinners. But, you know, and, and, and everyone prayed some kind of a weird, oppressive depressing prayer. And I got to, you got to me, I go, Lord, I just thank you. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> and I'm forgiven and, and I'm cleansed. And, and I live under a cascade of God's wonderful cleansing blood at all times because I walk in the light as he is in the light. And I have fellowship with him. And the blood of Jesus Christ is continually cleansing me from all unrighteousness. I don't, I'm not separated from God. I don't get excited about this. What did Paul say? Well, Paul said, it's not a wicked, deceitful heart. He said, but God be thanked. This is Romans 6, 17, if you want to write it down. But God be thanked that... Though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. So is it a deceitful and wicked heart? Or is it a heart that is just and righteous? Well, likewise, the obedient heart was true for Paul, speaking to the new covenant believers under the new covenant. You might be wondering how the new covenant is like the old covenant. It's not. It's not. There's no similarity between them. They are not to be harmonized. It's not like fashionable clothes where you mix and match. It's not. Now this one, I, there's going to be probably some people offended, so please don't raise your hand if you're offended. Second Chronicles 7.14. I mean, I can turn to the well-worn page in my Bible where I preach that Sunday after Sunday. I mean, I don't know how many times I preach that verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. And then will I forgive your sins. And then will I heal your land after you do this, 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 and this. And I, I still hear this on the radio. I still hear this on the radio. You remember 2 Chronicles 7.14, folks? If we do this and if we do this. Can I just tell you, it's true. it was true of the Old Covenant. Let's, listen, let me tell you, give you a principle. Write this one down if you're, if you're taking notes. All Scripture is for us, but not all Scripture was written to us. Amen. It's going to help you so much. You have got to discern which covenant it was spoken. Was it before the cross or after the cross? Big time. See, many people, many Christians love this verse, but they don't understand that it really doesn't apply to them under the new covenant. When examined, we, we discover that the form of the promises that come to us from the old covenant are very similar. Now notice it, that the, the conditions, there are, there are conditions, okay? Places conditions regarding what his people were to do first, and then and only then God would do his part. 
When I preach this verse to the people at Juno Christian Center, the message would always focus on their responsibility, do more. Do, do, do. How many know what I'm talking about? You just need to pray harder. Fast more. You need to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. I feel the anointing when I do that. So more praying, more humbling of yourself, more fasting, more repenting. So copious amounts of my teaching was dedicated to emphasize that doing more, praying more, giving more to please God. In contrast, as New Covenant believers, our blessings, our acceptance, our access to God, even our forgiveness, is not based on our performance. Did you hear me? It's not based on your performance. How did I do this week, God? Are you pleased with me? Oh, speak to me, God. Can I just tell you, he's pleased with you. You know why? Because you're in Christ. And he's pleased with Christ. You know, when in the Old Covenant, when they brought the, the lamb, the person that sinned brought the lamb, and then the lamb would be slaughtered, would be killed right there. You know, the priest examined the lamb. The priest didn't examine the man. Amen. He didn't say, sir, would you please disrobe so I can check for blemishes on your body? No. He looked at the lamb, and if the lamb was good, the sacrifice was acceptable. Let me just tell you, God is not looking at your sin because your sin was paid for in your sacrifice, Jesus Christ, and he's absolutely perfect. In contrast, and I I mentioned this, we cannot use Old Covenant instructions for our relationship with God because those scriptures are based on performance, not our position. Abraham's covenant was on pedigree. Did you ever notice that... How much time do I have? (laughs) 20 more minutes? Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) Did you ever notice that God said in, in Genesis 12 to Abraham, I will bless you and all your descendants, and I will curse your enemies. And Abraham did some dicey things, you know, letting heathen kings have Sarah for a period of time, and and yet you don't find God rebuking Abraham, right? Isaac did the same thing, and Jacob, and, and I mean, you know, you don't find God coming with judgment saying, I rebuke you for that. It's terrible what you did. Because why? Because they were under they were under a grace covenant. It was a grace covenant. It was before the law. And so God dealt with them with such grace. And that even continued until the time when they left Egypt and they, they were on, no one died from Egypt to Sinai. You realize that? Nobody died. And they, they did just murmured and complained several times, did some naughty stuff. No one died. But when the law was given, do you realize that on the day, it was actually the 50 days after, it was actually the Pentecost on Sinai, he's bringing the tablets down, and there's the sound of, thought, thought it was war, you know, Joshua said, I think there's a sound of, no, he said, that's, that's, those people are, are partying. 
immorality. You realize on the day that the law was brought down, 3,000 people died that day through God's judgment on those people. What happened? Oh, the law was different. It was between God and Israel. Get this. It was between God and Israel. That covenant was between them. And it was based on uh, you're blessed if you do it, you're cursed if you don't. How many of you know that's not a good one for us? I mean, the law is good, but it's not good for you, and it's not good for me. Because if I don't perform right, I'm under a curse. This makes sense? So my performance-based experience in the Old Covenant Scriptures brought me under condemnation. And, and when I fasted and prayed for three days, I would be done with it, and it would be like, God's upset with you because you didn't go five days. Yeah. I mean, if I prayed an hour, I'd come out of prayer, and this voice would say, yeah, but you should have done two hours. Slacker. Yeah, so so many believers find themselves in a performance base. And they find themselves trying to secure the acceptance and, and the approval <laughs> that they already have in Christ. They already have it in Christ. You know, Houdini, the great escape artist, claimed that, that he, he could escape from any jail cell in the world in less than an hour, provided he could go into the cell dressed in his street clothes. And every time he was given the challenge, he accepted and did just as he promised. I mean, sometimes it was within seconds that he got those locks undone. Well, there was a, there was a jail in the British Isles that they, were, they built this jail, and they were so proud of it, and they said, come try us. So he took the challenge. And once the, the jail cell was closed, Houdini took off his coat and, and went to work with his lockpick. He worked for 30 minutes at the speed that normally he could unlock doors in seconds. 30 minutes, an hour. He lost any expression of confidence at that point. And by two hours, he, in exhaustion, slumped in against the door and it opened. <laughs> you see, he was trying to unlock a door that was already unlocked. There are many believers that are trying to get forgiveness that, are, that they already have. Good. It's like trying to get into a room you're already in. I wish I could be in this room with you guys. Well, you are. Oh, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> I'm in this room. Good. No wonder many believers feel stuck from a performance mindset that, that seemingly demands more than they can produce. The new covenant gives us hope because God is leading the way. God has made the way. God has paved the path for you and I to be in the fullness of his presence nonstop. Without condemnation, without contemplating what sins of omission. So when they say you've got to confess every sin... Give me a break. There's sins of commission, things that you 
did that you shouldn't have done. There's sins of omission, things that you didn't do that you should have done. There's what James calls the sins of whatever is not faith. Whatever you did not in faith is sin. And, and then there's the minds and attitude sins and imagination sins. You can't cherry pick them. You know what it does if you try to keep track of all those? Make sure you get everyone. You end up being more sin conscious than God conscious. In the old covenant, it was do, do, and do some more, you filthy animal. <laughs> we didn't have clear specification of when our do's were done. That's a problem. You're just like, I'm going to do, do, do. And it's like, just when you thought you were done, it's like, oh, more do's. Okay, I'll get more, do more. Try harder. How stupid. Not, not us, but that. Remember, that was between God. This is, a lot of people don't understand this. That was because now the old covenant was a covenant between God and Israel. There was almost a pridefulness when God was calling them up and they said, no, we'll, we'll stay here. You know, it's kind of scary with you, God. You're kind of like there's lightning and there's all this stuff happening and there's fire coming up and it's really dicey. And they go, you just go up and, and, and tell us everything that God tells us. To, and we got it. We got it. Exodus 19. In the Hebrew, is, there's a real arrogance about like, we got this, we're Israel. We're the chosen ones. So that, that was between God and Israel, and that was that dicey, blessed if you do, cursed if you don't. But in, under the new covenant, you know what's so awesome? It's so awesome that our covenant, we don't have a covenant. We didn't make a covenant with God. I have people saying, God, God you do your part, I'll do my part. No, you won't. You'll fail. <laughs> so it's not between you and God. Like, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to man up. I'm going to woman up or whatever I need to up. And I'm going to get her done. No, you're not. This covenant is between the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Woo! It's so good because he's perfect. And yet, guess what you are? You get to be the beneficiary. In other words, you didn't do anything to deserve that. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's full, full on grace. Doesn't mean that you become some lazy plug, slug. No, it's, it's just, we're going to work. We're going to do what God's called us to do. But we're not doing it out of a motivation to somehow get God's acceptance or his pleasure or his forgiveness. You see, pedigree, it was a base, Abrahamic was pedigree. It was like the descendants were blessed. Under the old covenant, it was, it was performance. You perform right. And, and then under the new covenant, it's a position. You're, you're in Christ, my friend. You're in Christ. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You are forgiven. You have a destiny. God is pleased with you, not because of your performance this week, if you'd had your devotions. I used to say to my wife sometimes when she was having a hard day, when I was very much into performance, and I said, honey, did you have your devotions today? <laughs> And she would just say, thank you, Mike. You are so spiritual and such an awesome preacher. <laughs> no, she didn't really say that. And I won't tell you what she said. <laughs> 
So you know what's better than do, do, do? Done, done, done. That's where we're at, at the cross. I don't have time to talk about so much I want to tell you, but you can get the book. You can get the book. And I, I just believe this is a God thing. We're made right with God, not by our birth, not by our behavior, but by our believing. I love that. How much time do I have? Ten? Law is given by Moses. Look at the contrast. I wish I had it on a slide right now. The law given by Moses, grace came through Jesus Christ. The law reveals what we need to do. Grace reveals what God has done. The law shows us as old wineskins, but we, under the new covenant, are new wineskins. Sins remembered under the old, sins forgiven under the new. Blessing and cursing under the old, dispensing only blessings under the new. What you must do. Now, under the new, it's what Jesus has done. Disqualified by your disobedience. Now you are actually qualified by Jesus Christ, your Savior. This is such good news. Ministry of death. Paul, you know, Paul called in 2 Corinthians 3, he called the law the ministry of death and condemnation. Come on, there's so many churches right now, and I mean, they don't mean it. I mean, they don't know. They don't, they, don't, they don't even know what they don't know. But they're preaching the law. And it comes in the form of condemnation and spiritual death. And I did it for a lot, a lot of years. So the ministry of death and condemnation under the law and under the new covenant, the ministry of life and justification. That means declared righteous. My friend, you're in Christ. You're declared righteous. I remember a righteousness preacher came to our church a number of years ago. And he asked the church, he said, how many righteous people do we have in this church? And I know several hundred people. I think there might have been three hands. It was like... He looked over at me and said, man, we got some deep plowing to do. A side-by-side comparison shows us grace is a lot better than law. And position is better than performance. Jesus said this, no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and, and, and the, the wineskins will be ruined, but new wine must be put into the new wineskins and both are preserved. You want to know if a, a promise? Let me just, let me finish this thought. The new wine speaks of the Holy Spirit who will soon dwell within believers. The old wineskin represents the law, which is inflexible and rigid and unable to handle the violent fermentation process of new wine. The wine expanding during fermentation would burst the old wineskins and you would lose both. Jesus gave this analogy to let us know that the law of the Old Testament and the grace of the New Testament were never to mix. The wine being a type of the Holy Spirit is meant to dwell in believers who have become new wineskins in Christ. That's good. That's what that means. Do you want to listen to how much of this salvation that you came into is because of how awesome you are? (laughs) 
And this is Colossians 1.22, if you want to write it down. This is in the New Living Translation. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Amen. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him, listen to this, without a single fault. Amen. The devil will come and say, hey, what about you? What about you? What was with was with you? What what did you do last week? That was horrible. What you did. That's not coming from God. A lot of people go, "Oh, God's convicting me." That's a whole other chapter. No, that's the enemy. He's the accuser of the brethren and the cistern. He's the one that is bringing your past before you. You God, I'm so sorry about God. God, you know, if you could hear what he was saying, he's saying. Oh, I don't remember that. That's under the blood. I took that away. It's under the blood. Say that. Say, it's under the blood. There was 10 of you. Say it again. It's under the blood. One more time. It's under the blood. Yeah. Well, isn't God good? Amen. He's so good. Hallelujah. Can we just, can we stand together? Hmm. If you learned something today that you thought, okay, I, I, I like what I heard, and I, I think I can apply that in my life, would you raise one hand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's awesome. We're going to pray right now. Mm. have such a, a sense this morning that this body of believers, this ecclesia that you're a part of is going to, there's something about to explode. It, it's a good kind of explosion. like a grace explosion and uh, if you've been under condemnation under fear what under any of that I want you just I just want you to raise your hand right now because we're gonna we're gonna take authority over that we're gonna take authority over that in Jesus name over fear over areas you think of my past and you're struggling with your past if that's you, just, just lift a hand. See, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in that area. Or, or if you don't lift it, whatever. But right now, in Jesus' name, 
I want you to say this. I'm a new creation in Christ. All things are passed away. All things have become new. I am the righteousness of God. I'm greatly loved. I'm highly favored. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. Whatever I touch is blessed. The favor of God upon me makes me a blessing. Wherever I go, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. Holy Spirit, fill me. I ask for greater revelation. In Jesus' name. Let's just lift our hands together. Could we just do that right now? And begin to thank him right now for the, the awesome, awesome new covenant that he's given. The awesome forgiveness, the awesome acceptance and access into the holy of holies. And he calls us, come boldly to the throne of grace, that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This is an hour to be bold, not timid. It's faith, not fear. It's positive, not negative. It's hope, not despair. It's courage, not discouraged. It's strength, not weakness. It's built up, not torn down. It's fearless. It's fearless, not fretful. It's prayerful, not anxious. It's bold, not timid. That's what you're, this is what God's called you to be. All of those things. You're positive. You're courageous. You have hope. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus this morning fresh wind is blowing. This is a new era, church. This is a new era. We've stepped into a new era in this last year. We have stepped into a new era. God is going to do amazing things, and we must not be stuck in the past. We cannot be in the past, and we certainly cannot be in the old covenant. We cannot live out of the old covenant. Life. Life life. Father, we praise you for the life. We thank you for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ upon us today in your mighty, awesome name we pray. Come on, let's just give it to the Lord. Can we just give him a real praise? I mean, we're talking about a praise right from the depths of your being. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! 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 Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To find out more, visit thecollectivechurch.com.